Welcome to episode 29 of the Daniel Yours podcast with today's guest, Elsie Seberg. Let's go. I'm joined here today by Elsie. We are still in Naples. We're back in the Venture X studios. We got official equipment again, back to the Joe Rogan quality once again. So it's great. Elsie is a coach and friend here in Naples who just moved here recently from Minnesota. And we're going to have a great chat. We've been hanging out a little bit uh, the past couple of weeks and finally got down to record a podcast before I leave Naples for a short time, but we'll see. But anyways, Elsie, how are you? I'm doing awesome. How are you? I'm doing well. I'm doing well. Um, why don't we just get started and go ahead and introduce yourself and let the people know who you are, what you do. Yeah. So I am an online health and fitness coach. I've been coaching for about a year now. I did just relocate to Naples from Minnesota originally. And yeah, I'm super excited to be here. This is like my third podcast, like co co-host. Yeah. Fun. It, it's a, it's a weird kind of environment in this environment because it's like, I'm sure the other podcasts you've done, like they've been great, but they're probably on zoom or, mm-hmm. you know, and then this, yep. even for me, it's like, it's a little bit overwhelming all the, all the equipment and stuff, but I guess it's not to like jump right into gym stuff, but it's similar to the gym in the sense where, you know, people are going from body weight just in your house. And then you go back to full gym post COVID, all that stuff. And it's like, now I got everything, all the mm-hmm. toys to play with. And this is like, okay, we're in the big leagues now. Oh yeah. It really feels different. It's like, all right, we're, we're doing it for real now. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No messing around. Um, but that's good. Yeah. We'll, we'll get right into it. Um, how did you get into the whole fitness journey? I know that you haven't been doing this for forever. Obviously we're still young. So neither of us have been doing it that long in the grand scheme of things, but how did you get into all of this? Yeah. So I'm 23. Um, I played volleyball through elementary and high school And I would say my fitness journey technically started when I was in college. So freshman year got into, I was like, oh, I haven't really been quote unquote doing structured exercise since I graduated from high school and I wasn't happy with how I looked. And I just was like, okay, got to do something about it. Went off to college, perfect opportunity. And I dove headfirst, (laughs) went right into working out a ton, monitoring my food intake and I was obsessed with it in a good and bad way. Um, so yeah, I mean, we could go down that rabbit hole and it's a long, it's been a long journey. So that was probably five or six years ago is kind of when I would say I officially got into the industry. Um, and it's been a long time since then. Yeah. <laughs> a lot has changed. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's amazing. Like when you look back at the stuff that you used to do and like, you know, we've all been here so I can speak for anyone in fitness, but it's like when you start working out and it's like, oh, I'm doing all the right things. And then you learn like one other piece, you read an article, you hear something and like, oh my God, everything I knew was wrong. Okay. Let's do this, this other way. And then you do that for a little while and you hear something else like, oh my God, that was also like totally wrong. Like do mm-hmm. this other way. Right. Like what were some of those mistakes that you made that you can like think of right off the bat early on? Oh gosh. I was almost consistent to a fault. I was no days off. Like it was, it pained me to take a rest day. Mm-hmm. I was of the mindset that more is better. And that is definitely not always the case. Um, like more, more in terms of intensity, more in terms of hours in the gym, um, less in terms of food. And so I just definitely jumped to that extreme. And looking back now, I would hundred percent tell myself like, stop what you're doing right now. There's a better way. But yeah, that's one of the big mistakes I would say is extremes. You don't need to go to extremes. Um, yeah. Why did you think that you went to the extremes? It was there like, was it just that you thought more was better and it was like for 
for lack of better education at the time? Or were you trying to like combat something that you were like, oh my God, I need to like, I need to hammer this home hard. I think it was a little bit of both. I definitely was not very educated in terms of, I I did a lot of my own research in terms of nutrition and things like that, but I didn't have a guiding light of this is truth and this is how you really do things. You know, it was a lot of Pinterest workouts. And then I got into an older program like uh, Kayla, it's seen this like bikini body guide. And that's a lot of cardio circuit training. I loved it, but it's a lot on your body. And then also, yes, I think it was my stress reliever. And so the more stress I had, the more I worked out, you know, and it was just, it was kind of this never ending, never ending stressor on me, myself. So it was a little both. Right. Yeah. It's one thing that I think is often missed is that exercise in itself is a stress mm-hmm. and it's, it's a good type of stress. Like we need it, but too much is also a, a bad thing. Right. Oh, and yeah. so you put that stress on your body and you're trying to combat it, but you, you fail to realize, or one fails to realize that you're actually making things worse for yourself by like going more at it. Oh gosh. And I had no idea. Like I would wake up in the morning and work out fasted and I wasn't sleeping well. I had a lot of emotional and mental stress. I was also in school working a ton. I was six hours away from my family at the time. So stress from all directions. And you're right. I had no idea. I thought this is good. I'm healthy. And you know, all these things started to happen and I had no idea that was why. (laughs) But looking back now, I'm like, I know exactly why. Yeah. It's like, oh, it it makes sense. (laughs) It makes sense now. Right. And, and it is in a sense, like an escape from those things. Like, like you mentioned, you're away from family, like things are going on in school, but you know, like it's almost like a false sense of productivity. Sometimes going to the gym where it's like, okay, I went to the gym for three hours today. That was, that was a good thing. I did good today, but it's like, you know, you didn't do your homework, you didn't do your laundry and Mm -hmm. you didn't like talk to your friends or talk to your mom or whatever. Mm -hmm. And it's like, well, this is not, this is not exactly always productive, right? When it's too much. Mm -hmm. And it's almost like. I got to the point where I would do my workouts and even if it was like my workout in the morning and then I wanted to do this cycling class at night and I would, I would fit them both in and I, you know, still got my work done, still went to class, did all the things. But I think at that point in my life, I was trying to fill a void in terms of just, I I wasn't, I was not happy. And so I was kind of basing my worth off of, okay, I did, I got all this done today. It was like, striving for that like I said more is better and now I'm worthy now I'm feeling good about myself it was like that false high of the gym and I think a lot of people have that too it's like even though I didn't necessarily I saw results like I lost a lot of weight really quickly in my first year of college not necessarily for the better but you know I was kind of riding that wave of like okay this is you know this is a a positive in my life and it was it was my outlet so right yeah, it's a it's a very deep, dark rabbit hole. <laughs> and then at what point did all of that change? What point did you sort of like, OK, you know, see the light uh, sort of thing where you started doing things right and sort of how you are now and then that evolving into becoming a coach? Yeah. So it wasn't until too long after that, like it was it went on for too long. Um, I did hire a coach eventually. Thank God. Um, shout out to Kendall. I learned a lot through her and at that point my like I I didn't even want to hire a coach I told my parents that this is going to help me at that point I had lost my cycle like I was not doing well and they were worried for me they were like Elsie you're you're literally killing yourself like 
stop working out. And I was like, absolutely not. So I was, saw this girl on Instagram and she was talking about how she helped women, you know, restore their metabolisms and their hormones and, you know, train for strength instead of just burning calories. And they got to eat more food and all these things. And I was like, that's me, that's me, that's me. So I started working with her, learned a ton, um, still kind of was riding the fence of resisting, you know, all the change in the direction I should have gone, but it totally broke up in the industry for me. And I was like, wow, there is so much more than just all this crazy intensity circuit training. And I did fall in love with lifting. I think at that point, this was probably about three, four, probably four years ago. And from there, it took a long time for me to like really latch onto it, I think. But I, yeah, I started, I was just obsessed with learning. So learning from my coaches, I've had several different coaches since then. Um, Just learning from free value on Instagram off, you know, research case studies, podcasts, you name it. Like I was a sponge. I probably spent more time researching things about fitness and nutrition than I did about my actual schoolwork in college. (laughs) But I, I knew I've always loved it. I've always had a drive and like loved working out, loved fitness, loved nutrition. But when I saw how it changed my life, like literally saved me, that's I think when I started to, things started to click and people were like, wow, Elsie, like you know so much, like you have to teach other people this. And you know, I know the story now and I dismissed it for years and didn't do anything about it. But or like I helped people for free kind of thing. But it was, I think that was kind of the turning point was hiring my first coach. Yeah, that's that's an amazing story. I didn't know that about you. But I think that a lot of us have a similar story in that we, you know, whether or not you did this in school or one did this in school, like I think about all the schooling that I did. I, you know, I learned a lot of great things in school, but most of the stuff that I use with my clients on a day-to-day basis are things that I learned outside of the classroom. They're things that I learned through my own research, through, you know, some external courses that I took and, and you know, whatever. But the things that I use on a day-to-day basis are all things that I learned on my own. And so what happens is then you, because it's not legitimate, you don't have necessarily a degree or even if you do have a degree, it's like, I didn't learn this in school, whatever. And then you think that, you know, you become the authority figure in your very small circle. Your friends ask you, Oh, should I eat this or that? Should I do this workout, this workout, you know, whatever. And then at some point you realize like, Oh, hold on. My friends are like real people. Like they are like, if they have those questions, other people have those questions and I have the answers for them. And then, you know, we get in this cycle of, Oh, but there's so much information available out there. All the stuff that I learned on my own, like someone can just go look at that and get that information. It was great. Like, look how, look how far I got with this, mm-hmm. but they haven't seen that information. So it's like, Oh, I should just share this. I should, I should do this and make this a real thing because I can help people. Yeah. And that's the thing is we as coaches realize, okay, I've actually, you know, invested, you know, five, six years of my life researching this and then learning through experience and mistakes and all the things. Like, I don't want other people to have to go through what I did to learn the lessons I did. Yeah. So yeah. And after I graduated, cause I didn't get a degree, I got a degree in marketing. Like <laughs> I didn't get, I hated marketing, but I was like, okay, I need to figure out what I actually can do with this. And COVID as much as, you know, last year was a whole thing. It was a blessing in disguise because it forced me to slow down, reevaluate and figure out, okay, I actually want to make this a thing. So it was the Kickstarter for me to actually start my business. So that's kind of how how it all came to fruition eventually. But it was, 
A long, yeah, long journey yeah. for sure. It's always a long journey and, and a lot more to go for sure. Yeah. And we're going to come back to the, the changes that kind of like took place in your life outside of the gym because, mm-hmm. you know, that's always, and to any listeners, that's always what I'm talking about here mm-hmm. and that's the whole point of this. But I do want to get into some more of the, the actual fitness stuff with you. So yeah. one thing that you that you kind of mentioned was you were doing a lot of like the HIIT workouts, a lot of the cardio, a lot of like that stuff, and yeah. then you fell in love with li- lifting. Mm-hmm. So I know that this is a super common thing with you know, in general, mostly females mm-hmm. is the being scared of lifting to get bulky, yep. which as we know, doesn't necessarily happen. Like obviously yeah. it can happen if that's one's intention, but was that something that you struggled with? And if so, how did you kind of like overcome that? Oh, absolutely. When, even when I hired my first coach, I would literally skip things in the workouts she gave me because I was like, I don't want to look, I thought, oh, my shoulders are already so broad. Why would I lift them? And then I was like, okay, maybe I should just give it a shot. And when I actually started, you know, eating more fuel, my body, it changed a lot. And I think the problem was at that point in my life, I was so lean. You could see every muscle, every vein, and I felt gross. But in reality, to a normal person, now I don't think I look like, you know, huge. And I've been lifting for five years of my life. So it it takes so long to even get to that point. And you have to work so hard. Like the average female, you have zero zero things to worry about in terms of looking too huge. If anything, people are going to be like, your arms look amazing. (laughs) And it's like, they don't, I think there's a big misconception in terms of certain workouts, getting you certain results. If you want any sort of definition or toning, like there's not really quote unquote toning workouts. And the the thought of you getting too strong is like, I wish I was stronger. Like <laughs> the strength and the muscle is what is the biggest caveat in changing your physique for the better. It's not something to fear. So. Yeah. It's, it's a difficult one to wrap someone's head around. And I think that, you know, the more we have these kind of conversations and put them out there, it's starting to change the mind of some people. But really for everyone, they've kind of got to experience it themselves. Because I'm sure like through the Instagram world, like you heard this stuff too. Oh, lifting don't make you bulky. But then you still kind of like, you still kind of feel it. And then until you start doing it, you're like, oh, I didn't like, you know, I'm not Arnold Mm -hmm. after working out for three days. Like, Mm -hmm. oh, okay, this is normal, right? And then just like physiologically, just for anyone listening, I'm sure I've said this before and we'll say it a million more times. Like if, if it was that easy to gain muscle, man or woman, everybody would be like 300 pounds in like a huge jack show yep. ball of muscle, <laughs> but they're not. So, you know, it's not, it's not going to happen by accident, right? Mm-hmm. Like the actual mechanics of it, it's much harder to put on muscle than it is to lose body fat. Mm-hmm. And so it's just something that we've got to kind of, got to kind of combat. And cause the thing that we all want is to get stronger and to, mm-hmm. and to put more muscle on, whether you call it toning or call it whatever word you want, that's really what we're all chasing. Yeah. I like to use the phrase with my clients, like lean body mass, because it's a little bit less scary to them. And that's really what gives you shape. That's as women, that's what they want. They want, you know, the curves and everything. They don't know that yet, but when they describe their ideal physique to me, I know that they're saying, I want to look X, Y, Z way. And I'm like, okay, then we need to one, lift heavy weights. And two, the biggest thing you can do is just manipulate and monitor your your nutrition. Because even if you were eating 3000 calories a day, you're still not going to gain pure muscle mass and look like the Hulk. You're going to get like, it just isn't how it works. And so, yeah, I think there's a lot, a long ways to go in the industry in terms of getting that message across because you're right. You kind of have to figure it out on your own and 
go through those mindset blocks. <laughs> yeah. How do you, how do you usually go about communicating that to clients? Like what are your, some of your more effective strategies to like get someone over that hump just to get them to start because they have to start and then just like kind of blindly trust you, quote unquote, blindly trust you a bit. And then they'll re- realize it for themselves. But what are some of the things that you usually say to like get someone to trust you in, in that way? To get them to trust the process in terms of weightlifting and like that they won't get bulky. Um, usually I tell them you know, the, as kind of terrible as it is, I'll have some clients who start and they say like, I want to look like you or I want my legs to look like yours. And I tell them, okay, well, I don't do any cardio and I lift like a crazy person. So you can do this program that I'm giving you and realize how like actually sustainable it is. Give it a few months. The worst thing that can happen is you don't like it and you can stop. But once you, st- it's usually a few weeks into it, they're like, wait, I don't know. I don't know. I'm, I'm having the self doubt. And I'm like, give me two months. If you don't see, if you don't feel better, because usually that's when, you know, what happens first, it's the mindset shift. Then you feel better and then you start to see the physical changes. And so have them take all the pictures and all the things. But I just, I, I have to get them to understand it's, it's less about a short-term instant gratification And once they buy into the long game, that's when they start to care even less about how they look. And it's more so like, wow, I feel like a rock star. And like, wow, I feel so cool lifting. Like, it's just so empowering. So if I can get them in the gym, even for a week, get them out of their comfort zone, get them lifting in the big girl section of the gym. It's like these, the girls that I work with, I swear, it's the best feeling in the world when I can watch them just completely become a new person because they're just so confident and so yeah usually when they come to me they don't have that confidence we have to work on it but knowing that they're not in it alone is a big part too like I said everybody who's gone through this program they felt the same way they were terrified they did not get it they had to just say okay I'll see I'm gonna put my trust in you and we go through it together and I do my best to explain you know the the back end work of like, okay, this is what we're going to do if they need to, you know, whatever they need to be doing for their personal situation. We kind of work on it. I try to explain it. And then they just, they have to, they have to figure it out for themselves, but it's just baby steps into getting that confidence built up. Yeah. And I think that w- once everyone gets into that and you, you start going to the gym for a few weeks or a couple months and you start to like see improvements in your strength and like you start to, you know, use a barbell and the weights are getting a little bit heavier and you're in the, you know, the big girl section of the gym, like it's really cool to be strong. And I know that sounds like so cheesy and anyone who's like gotten strong in their life, like you will understand this and appreciate it, but it's very cool to be strong and strong is also relative. doesn't mean you have to be the strongest person in the gym. It just means you have to be stronger than you were yesterday. Mm-hmm. Right. And so when you see those weights going up, it's a good feeling. And then the other side of it, in my experience is like, you know, you try so hard to get someone to uh, work on strength as opposed to like, let's just do high weight, high reps and low weights and, and all this mm-hmm. stuff. And then when it's time to like introduce that in, in their training phase, they don't want to, they don't want to do that. They want to shy away because everyone likes the pursuing strength way more mm-hmm. than the, than the other stuff. And like, you know, we need to mix it all in together. Yep. But then the other thing you mentioned a, a little earlier was, you know, you can never be too strong, mm-hmm. right? You can never get you can never get, I guess you could get too much muscle, but like, you're never mm-hmm. going to be too strong. I had this one client a, a long time ago and, uh, you know, came to the end of his sessions and, you know, we're talking about, you know, next steps and whatever. 
And I said, you know, what do you think is next for you? And he's like, well, he's like, well, I don't know. Like, this is as strong as I've ever been. Like, w- like, what do I do now? Mm-hmm. And, and it caught me off guard because I was like, what do you like? And I mean, in all relative like things, like he had, he had gained a lot of strength, but he wasn't squatting like, you know, 500 pounds. Like mm-hmm. we had a lot of work to do still. And he's like, yeah, I've never been this strong before. Like, what do I even do? And I was like, <laughs> well, just, you just keep getting stronger. Like, I don't, I don't, what do you mean? Like, what do you mean? What do we do? We just add more weight to the bar and we just keep going. And, uh, but you know, that's, that's a real person's real thought, right? Someone who, who wasn't, who's not a fitness person who doesn't want to pursue like lifting heavier and heavier for forever. And not that one has to do that, but you know, this is a lifetime thing. You don't just get to a number and it's like, oh, well, yeah, I, I squatted X amount. So I, I'm good for life now. <laughs> like mm-hmm. you gotta, you gotta keep doing it. But that pursuit of strength is, is special and fun. And it's just an empowering feeling and for anyone, men and women and everyone in between, right? Mm-hmm. I usually have them think of something within their life that would be easier if they were stronger, you know, whether it's toting their kids around or their job, you know, if they have back pain, if they have knee pain, I'm like, Hey, let's get you strong. Like this is going to fix a lot of problems for you. Yeah. <laughs> and it's also, yeah, with the confidence, it's not even just confidence because they like get snatched and have an amazing body after that. It's like, they just know, like, I'm a badass, basically. Yeah, <laughs> That's yeah. kind of where it just, it's the best of all the worlds. And once they get hooked and you see, wow, I'm getting stronger. I'm I'm like overloading. And that's why like we do things the way we do so we can track the data and be like, hey, look, you used to be able to like not do that. <laughs> and now you're crushing it and that's your warm up. Like, yeah, it's a cool process. Yeah, the data and the, and the collection of that is also, is always relevant because at some point like, the physical changes slow down, right? Right mm-hmm. off the bat, the physical changes will be will be a little bit faster just because there's greater potential for change. Mm-hmm. But, you know, several months or a couple of years in, it's like, okay, it takes a little bit of time for these changes to happen. But if you can see that, you know, last phase of training, I was lifting five pounds less than I am now. Like, okay, that's an improvement and I can like be happy about that, right? And then you you chase that more than the, than the aesthetic of it. The aesthetic of it is cool. It's great mm-hmm. to like look good. Like that's mm-hmm. awesome. And you know, shouldn't be discounted, yeah. but it's, it's the feeling of, of, like you said, being a badass, being capable, knowing that you can, if you wanted to, knowing mm-hmm. that you're, you're strong in your body and like the feeling of taking up space in the world and, mm-hmm. and just being able to, to do things, what, whatever that might be. Like, one thing that I was thinking about this past weekend, you know, when we got back from, from Austin on the plane is like people are struggling to put their carry on in the overhead compartment. And I'm like, mm-hmm. that's, that's sad. Yeah. Like it's a, you know, yeah. how, I don't know how heavy a carry on bag is like 20 pounds or, but it's not like overwhelmingly heavy. And these were not like, you know, old, old, you know, 90 year old grandparents. These were like, you know, young people couldn't lift their bag overhead. And it's like that, that is a real life situation where you need to lift weights so that you can do that mm-hmm. without like struggling and hurting yourself. Mm-hmm. And it, it, it saddens me to see stuff like that, but these are the things that people need to lift for so they can do real life things. Right. Yeah. Oh, for sure. Yeah, I think it reduces stress and anxiety in other areas of your life because you're not wondering like, oh gosh, am I going to need to ask for help for this? Like, and also knowing that like when you show up in the gym and you get over those barriers of like, oh, I'm going to try to deadlift in, you know, on the platform today, or I'm going to try to like, yeah, take up space because you deserve to be there just as much as anybody. It, I think, carries over into a lot of different areas where like, you now just, you have that confidence, you're owning it. And it's like, not to get too deep, but I know in the back of my mind when I sing these girls on and I'm like, okay, we're gonna, you know, we're gonna start by doing just, you're doing your workouts, you're hitting your macros, whatever it is. I know that it's gonna become so much more than that. And usually by the time they get, you know, a month or two in, I don't have to convince them of that 
because they are starting to feel the effects that carry over into, you know, mindset and relationships and everything else. So it's like, it doesn't take a lot of convincing and that's kind of a hard question, I think, but it's, it's an awesome process to watch. Yeah. It's like everyone needs a, everyone needs a push to Mm -hmm. start. But mm-hmm. then once you start realizing it, it's, and, and, you know, like you just mentioned, it's not the gym stuff that, that stuff matters and it's cool, but it's all the other stuff. It's yep. just the being confident in your life and in your relationships and your job and like whatever things you have going on, mm-hmm. it's all of the things that the gym teaches you to like improve the rest of your life. And it's almost hard to notice sometimes until you really like step back and, you know, take a look at it. Like, okay, all this stuff has changed in my life. Like why, what's the, what's the missing factor? And then I, often think it's, oh, I started working out. I started tracking my nutrition. I started like, you know, mm-hmm. taking care of my health and it's translated to all of these other aspects of my life. And it's yep. like, oh yeah, the gym is like, gym is cool. Yeah. <laughs> Let's keep doing this. Yeah. When you take the time and it seems selfish to pour into yourself, you have so much more to give to every other aspect of your life. You feel that much better. And it also is like the discipline and the, you know, grit. And when you are, you know, Taking that, those efforts with yourself, it does, it, it relates in, like, relays in your work, in your schoolwork, whatever it may be, you, like, all of a sudden are, like, more of an organized person, and you're, like, more hardworking and more disciplined, and people are, like, who is she? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, the grit is an interesting one, because I, I've thought about this often over the last year, and, like, where, you know, things happen, obviously COVID-related, like, life life got tough for some people mm-hmm. and it, and for many people it was maybe the first kind of big hurdle they've really experienced in their life and i feel like those who have been committed to the gym like you're you're used to like that grind yes it's a physical grind it's not the same as losing your job and all that kind of stuff mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. but it's it's dealing with a hardship nonetheless in that moment in that controlled environment of grinding through that deadlift mm-hmm. but it gives you some tools to be able to work through the hard stuff in in your real life and that's what i think is you know so much of the most beautiful parts of the gym is that mm-hmm. Yeah, all the like the little microcosm lessons we learn, they can be applied to the real world when it really matters. Oh, absolutely. And knowing that, yeah, whatever you're going through right now, like it'll end. Yeah. And usually I tell girls, I'm like, you can do anything for 30 seconds. Yeah. Like if you yeah. have a time deck, like if you're planking, I don't care. Like you can do anything for 30 seconds. It's going to end, but you're going to be so glad that you didn't quit because that gets you nowhere. You got to start over again. So yeah, that's a good, like- correlation and I think even just like physically I don't know if I have a high pain tolerance because of the gym or like I love the gym because I have a high pain tolerance (laughs) (laughs) but it's fun to watch people like be able to really and they usually there's that breakthrough point where they're like I didn't realize I was never actually pushing that hard until you push that hard yeah and then you're like wow I'm a lot stronger than I thought I was yeah and I think that's that's part of the biggest value of having a coach is because we all have like our own limitations we put on ourselves, and myself included. And I'm sure you're the same way. It's like when you're in the gym, it's like, oh, okay, I'll stop at 10 reps today or, or I won't push the weight today. But someone else who's externally looking at you can see when you have more in the tank. And as a coach, you can really see this. Like I, you know, you get good at evaluating mm-hmm. how much left that person has in the tank. Do they really have like, was that really their max or could they have squeezed out two more reps? Mm-hmm. And so, you know, that, external accountability to like get through it. And those are the ones that, you know, that count to make a blanket statement, but like, those are the ones that count and being able to know that you can push through it because, because you push through, it's like, Oh yeah, I did that. I can do that again next time. And then Mm -hmm. maybe, Oh, maybe I can do a little bit more. Right. And and then again, applies to the rest of life. Right. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It really blows the ceiling off of your, like how far you can go, how high you can go. I tell people on the, on sales calls all the time, like you 
will never really reach your fullest potential unless you have somebody there kind of digging deep for you. Or like, I usually am like, I'm going to dig. I'm going to ask you tough questions. I'm going to probably get like, force you to get a little uncomfortable because that is where the growth happens. Like the change is outside of our comfort zone. We don't want to put ourselves there. We kind of need that accountability to be like, hey, you can do more. Like, hey, you're stronger than that. Hey, I know you can, you know, be a little bit more consistent than that. And sometimes we need that tough love. Like it's all in good. And you're right. It transfers over in yeah. every aspect. And it's, this is a natural human thing like mm-hmm. that. We, you know, we, we put these false limitations on ourselves because it's safe. Mm-hmm. We don't like change. We like to stay the same way. If I could just sit here like a, and on the couch, like a vegetable and not move and never do anything in my life, like my body would probably, you know, mm-hmm. like that in, in some sense, but it's not going to have good outcomes for me. Mm-hmm. Like I need to do stuff in my life, obviously. So, you know, you need to change, but change is hard, right? Mm-hmm. So it's, it's very, it's a very empowering process in that way that, oh, I can change. I can do more. I can do better. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Another aspect of this thing, you know, early in the fitness journey that I kind of wanted to uh, dig into a little bit was what you mentioned about the way that you were eating mm-hmm. and, and allowing yourself to eat more. Mm-hmm. So, personally this is never something that i've struggled with i know that this is a big struggle and you know i've dealt with clients and you know in this way but tell me about that what that's like and like the eating like not even real food it's like kind of snacking grazing on stuff all the time and then transitioning to like okay i can have like a legit meal Mm -hmm. what's that like so it's different for everybody um for me it was for many years it was actually like i was eating quote unquote, really well, like I was eating very clean, like whole foods, like the perfect, you know, cookie cutter meal plan diet, but I would not stray from that. And so that's where the issue was. And it wasn't, it wasn't near enough, obviously in quantity for my activity level for even like a toddler. (laughs) So that was the hard part. And even once I started with, you know, a coach, I got accountability. I got a, a plan from someone else. Um, I was still resistant to it because I was afraid. And I listened to all the lies from the industry, from whatever marketing of diets or fake things out there. I don't even know. I don't even know what the really like source was, but I was afraid of calories. Like I literally thought I'm going to eat more calories. I'm going to get fat. That's what I thought. And so I think a lot of women, they're like, I'm eating so good, quote unquote, because I only ate like 1,200 calories today. And I just, it saddens me, but it's so pre- like prevalent in a lot of people. And usually I have clients that come to me and they literally don't know how they could ever possibly eat 1,800, 2,000 calories. And I'm just like, that's not even that much. Like yeah. we don't realize it, but the process of eating more, one, you have to take it slow. If you are in that spot where you're like, I'm under eating, I know it, now you're aware, but you don't know how the heck to get out of it, that's what my best friend is called a reverse diet. That's what I take 90% of my clients through because they're not eating enough and we have to, there's a, the, a way to restore that metabolic process, get you, you know, eating more food while maintaining it. You know, eating more does not equate to gaining body fat. And I think that's the biggest mix, misconception is that we think it's just calories in, calories out. But if you're not eating enough, you're doing yourself more harm than good. Right. There's a, a lot to unpack there. So go ahead and define to me in, in your words what a reverse diet is. And, and for the, I, I'm familiar with it, but 
just yeah. define it and then we're going to kind of break it down because I have some some thoughts on this. Yeah. So a lot of people aren't aware that this is even a thing, um, but this is a super amazing tool. And essentially all it is, is you start where you are. A reverse diet is the avenue you take to get back up to a really healthy maintenance. And that's a higher calorie intake where you're restoring metabolic function, restoring hormone health, restoring digestion. It's it's for getting you back to an optimal place or optimal and then some. Um, so you can eat more food and maintain your physique, if not get leaner. A lot of my clients recomp like crazy during a reverse because when you feel your body properly, it it thanks you. Right. So what type, what type of person would... I mean, it's obviously a lot of your clients, but what's like the the skeleton of the person who is going to be put on a reverse diet? So anybody who has been dieting for a long period of time, and that could be basically anywhere longer than six months, you can't live in a deficit. So if you've been living in a deficit and for an adult woman, like I'll throw a number out there. If you're an adult woman and you've been living on less than even 1600 calories for a long time, <laughs> then you need a reverse diet. Um, if you are cold all the time, if you have digestive issues, and usually these are all correlated to just lack of fuel. Um, you don't sleep well, you have low energy, you're not seeing any progress. Or if you've been dieting or you're trying to diet, you're trying to go into a calorie deficit and you, you aren't seeing progress, your body's not responding it's likely that your metabolism is kind of quote unquote slowed down. And that's really what it is. It's anybody who has experienced in some degree metabolic adaptation to where if they were to try to go into a calorie deficit, they would have to go really low. Um, they kind of have burned the candle at both ends, if that makes sense. So yeah. that's the general picture. Yeah. I think that the reason that I... It's, I think it's just semantics of the reverse diet for me because I always think like, well, if people were really eating 1200 calories all the time for six months, they would have lost shit ton of weight. Mm -hmm. But it's unlikely that one was actually always eating those 1200 mm -hmm. calories in certain, certain situations, of, of course, that that's happening, right? Mm -hmm. But generalization, they weren't actually eating 1200 calories that entire time or whatever it was. And that's why they haven't lost the weight that they want. Mm -hmm. So I think that the reverse diet is a, is a, it's a nice term to like reestablish healthy eating habits. Mm -hmm. And and that almost makes more sense to me than like messing with the calories because they obviously weren't in deficit that entire time if they weren't losing weight. Mm -hmm. More than calories in, calories out. There's a whole, you know, mm -hmm. bunch of other stuff involved mm -hmm. in it. But they weren't in the deficit if they didn't lose the weight. So eating more food or allowing one to eat more food but still being in a deficit, like just because you're eating more, it doesn't put you necessarily even at maintenance or in a surplus. You can still be in a deficit with eating more. You just might be at a smaller deficit. And so you'll still continue to lose body fat. And if you're relatively new to training, you can still gain muscle and, you know, what we'd call recomp in that, in mm -hmm. that phase. But I think the, the reverse diet is really good for just reestablishing healthy habits and stop beating yourself up about forcing yourself, you know, Monday to Friday, eating those 1200 calories that on Saturday night you binge. And that's why you haven't been losing weight, even though you're, you're killing yourself the mm -hmm. rest of the time. Right. Oh yeah, absolutely. And usually it is, there's some form of a really restrictive relationship with food. Um, they're restricting and binging. They're, you know, they've got other things going on. Um, other times that person is just really freaking stressed. And you know that cortisol just wreaks havoc on any sort of progress. So that's another person who like, maybe, yeah, they are 
sometimes eating in a deficit, but they're just not seeing progress, it's probably because their body is too stressed. A reverse diet is a really good avenue to get them to start respond, get their bodies to start responding again and get them out of that really stressed state. Um, sometimes it's a thyroid issue. There's a lot of, you know, it's very individual. That's why I say it's like everyone's different, but you're totally right. It's It's almost like mentally to help heal the relationship with food, to bring consistency that isn't just chasing another super low calorie diet. Um, it, it kind of is that gap, that bridge. Yep. Yeah. And I think that a, another big part of this is that health always comes first. When you're unhealthy, it's very difficult to make any aesthetic changes, whether that's losing, mus- losing body fat or gaining muscle. And so just reestablishing a state of health that, you know, for a couple months, you get up to your maintenance, you start building some muscle, your body's like, you know, functioning normally mm-hmm, and, and mm-hmm. properly again. And then mm-hmm. it's like, okay, now we can do a proper deficit, like a, a normal amount of deficit that will lead to like more specific body fat loss mm-hmm. if, if that's what one's goal is at the time. Yeah. Right. But, but without that state of health in the first place, you, you can't even chase those things because you're just doing, you're doing more harm than good at that point. Yeah. Oh yeah. It's basically bringing your body back to a happier like equilibrium where things are just good and then we can worry about the the rest but yeah I always say I agree health first like I want you to feel good and be internally healthy first before we worry about losing body fat because that will that will always be there your health will not right and having a a good relationship with food because that's something that you have to do every day for the rest of your life Mm -hmm. (laughs) like you don't get to just stop eating obviously and and i don't think anyone would want that like we have so many joys and pleasures from food there's so many social interactions that are centered around food from whatever country or culture you're part of Mm -hmm. uh and so you know to have a to have a bad relationship with food is is really it's really a sad thing but Mm -hmm. it's it's very common and a hard one to to fix if you've been eating super low calories and then you want to start to increase more like that can be that can be a scary thing so Mm -hmm. you slowly you know work your way back up to maintenance Yep. which most people really have a hard time staying at maintenance. They, they, they way overshoot it. But mm-hmm. for those who have been really trying really hard with unfortunately by no fault of their own, the wrong information, it can be hard to allow yourself to, to eat like a normal adult. Yeah. Human. <laughs> and that's a lot of people. They literally, they are just like, I want to eat normally. And if you don't have a good relationship with food, you really have no business trying to diet because it takes a lot of separation of that a little bit to be like, okay, I'm going to a little bit like detach from the emotional side of food for a little bit you're obviously still going to enjoy social events and you know there is an emotional aspect to food but when you're dieting you can't you can't trust your emotions because they will lie to you (laughs) and they will cause you to like really go off you know the deep end so it's it's a definitely tough balance to find but it's so doable and i think that yeah more food and taking a little bit of a step back from chasing fat loss actually helps you more in the long run. It's an essential, for many people, an essential piece of that long game. And, you know, and we're not looking for the instant gratification during that time. We're setting ourselves up for long-term success. Yeah, because it is, long-term success is the only type of success that really matters. Unless exactly. you're talking about an athlete or, or, you know, some bodybuilding competition or something where you like, you know, whatever, you want to get in shape for one specific event, but you still have the rest of your life after that. Mm-hmm. You still need to be healthy. You still need to eat for the next 30, 40, 50, 60 years. You still need to exercise and be able to do stuff, right? And so zooming out and thinking like, okay, if I can like really focus on this now, then it's going to make the rest of my life much better than that. And that's a hard thing to wrap one's head around. And especially, you know, people like us who are very young, we don't, we haven't been around that long, mm-hmm. like on the earth. Um, but, and, and it's even harder, I think, for for older people mm-hmm. because- 
they've been in their ways for so long. They may have been yo-yo dieting and trying every new fad for the last 20 years, someone who's, who's 50 years old, right? Mm -hmm. Like they might've been trying everything and it's like, oh my God, I, I've literally tried everything and that's, that's for real. They probably have, and it hasn't worked for them yet, except they haven't tried like to just be healthy. Mm -hmm. And, and that's like, that sounds, I think a little bit profound, but mm -hmm. I think it's also holds a lot of, holds a lot of truth, unfortunately. And then when someone finds that, it's like, oh, this is the answer. And, and quite frankly, they've always known that that was the answer. They just didn't allow themselves to actually do it. Yeah. It's definitely tough. The generally, like generationally, the older, there's like a good demographic within like the forties. I have a couple, I have several clients who are older. Some of them, they latched on, they trusted it. They're doing amazing. Like they've never felt this good and they're, you know, 45 and their kids are like, oh, who is she? Yeah. But there are some who it's harder to get through. There's so many limiting beliefs and just things that they've believed for so long, not to mention the kind of, you know, metabolic issues that we're running into because they've been literally dieting for 30 years. Yeah. It's like, okay, this is definitely something we want to catch as early as we can not wait until it's gone on for that long. Yeah. And and then even still, it's never too late. No, right? it's not. You know, whatever age you're at, whatever, you know, whoever's listening to this, like you can start now and still make improvements. Now mm -hmm. at some point, like m maybe those improvements won't be worth it to you, but I think this is a very late stage. And like the, the, the best story I could use to describe this was my grandfather. This was several years ago. I remember he went to the doctors, like a regular checkup. And I saw him after I said, oh, what did the doctor say? He said, oh, my cholesterol, my blood pressure, you know, this, this and that, you know, whatever. Doesn't really listen to the doctor, obviously. And then I said, so what did he tell you to do? He said, oh, well, you know, I have to eat less pasta and less coffee and, you know, less this and less that. And I said, okay, so are you going to do that? He said, no, of course not. <laughs> I was like, I was like, what do you, what do you mean? The doctor told you that's what you have to do. And then he goes, well, what do I got to do that now for? I should have, he should have told me that 30 years ago. Now it's too late. He's like, if, and you know, he's 80 and plus. Mm -hmm. And he's like, if I'm going to stop doing that now, just, just take me now. And yeah. I was like, you know what? Honestly, like I, I agree mm -hmm. because why are we going to make that drastic? Like, should he clean up some things? Like, absolutely he should. But is it going to take away from his quality of life to take these things away? Like the way the doctor said it to him was like, you know, no more this, no more that. And it's like, that's not the right answer. Like we need to have these that's things. That's not sustainable. Yeah, yeah. We need to have these things in moderation. Like you can't take all the, the things that the man loves from his life and, and say no, no, no more again. Like, mm -hmm. you know, yeah, but, but, uh, it's just an interesting thing. Anyways, for anyone else who's not my grandfather, mm -hmm. uh, you know, make changes in your life. And <laughs> yeah, it's never too late. You can start so small and feel and see the difference. You know, it's just the, it's the small habits. It really is like, you don't have to overcomplicate it. You don't need to hop on the next diet trend that so-and-so lost 10 pounds on. You just need to like focus on the really simple things. And yeah, focus on health, listening to your body, overall well-being. It, it, it goes hand in hand and it will get you feeling better, you know, long-term. So on the topic of small things and focusing on health, something that I enjoy and that I've enjoyed watching you on, on your Instagram that you always share about is like your morning walks mm -hmm. and, and just like you, you talk to the camera and just like share your thoughts on the day and, and client things and whatever. Mm -hmm. But talk to me about like what that morning walk is to you as, as a staple in, in your, in your scheduling and your life and just kind of grounding for the day. Yeah. So I, I've always been a morning workout person. So whether it's my walk to the, like now the place I live, I can walk to the gym, which is amazing. Um, otherwise I'll walk, you know, on my rest days, I get a walk in at least sometime during the day. 
Um, but having that morning movement, it is such a staple part of my routine. I truly feel weird if I don't do it. Um, it sets me up to like just get in a really clear headspace for the day. I, I basically am able to just like set up my schedule and I'm so th- blessed to be able to make my own schedule. But even if I were working, you know, when I was working at a typical job, I always made sure that that was my priority because if I didn't do my morning routine, you know, if I didn't one, get outside because it helps so much in at least for me personally, like I need nature, I need, you know, sunshine, but also just moving. Like you just know that you're set up to make good decisions for the rest of the day. I feel like it just starts that domino effect for me. Um, and yeah, my, like honestly, stress relief and just starting off, you know, in that like kind of meditative headspace where I'm like listening to worship music or praying or, you know, jamming out, whatever I'm doing, I'm doing something for me first and then I'll get onto my to-do list. Yeah. I agree on, on many levels there. Enjoying nature is certainly one of them. And I'm sure a big benefit of mm-hmm. moving to Florida recently, yep. getting, getting the sunshine and, you know, I'm sure it's nice in Minnesota in the summer, but not so much in the winter, same mm-hmm. as Toronto, <laughs> but, um, but uh, yeah, just, just getting movement in, in the beginning of the day. And like, you know, I love my coffee, you know, just as much or more than anybody else. And, and, but getting some movement in the morning is like just as powerful, if not more than that. And like, just thinking about whatever it is, whatever you have to do that day, reflecting on what happened yesterday, reflecting on anything, mm-hmm. you know, it just kind of, just kind of grounds you. And like, it sets you up for success, like yep. you mentioned, and it gets it, it gets the early exercise in. Like we want to hit, you know, whatever step count number you want to say mm-hmm. you want to hit per day. And so if you can walk for 20 minutes in the morning, which like you, you, you probably have time to walk 20 minutes or whatever it is in the morning, it's a good way to just kind of get things going. And, and you will always, always feel better after having gone for that walk. You'll never go for a walk and be like, oh, I feel worse now. Yep. Oh, absolutely. It's such a easy switch. If I ever like I'm in a bad mood or I don't feel good, like I am like, I'm going to be back. I'm going to go for a quick walk, clear my head. Yeah. It just kind of resets you. And it's such a good habit to build because even if you don't have time to go to the gym, you have probably time to walk even for um, like, it takes you 15, maybe 20 minutes to walk a mile. Like that is not far. Do a couple laps, like around your block, whatever it is, it'll like add up over the, like the long term. Yeah. And even, even if you don't have 20 minutes, like go for five minute walk, walk to the end of the street and back. Like you have mm-hmm. five minutes to do yep. that. Like no, no matter what. And I, and I hate, I don't really like this argument. Like, Oh, make time. Like you, you, you scroll on Instagram. So like you have time, like, you know, fine. People have got mm-hmm. their things on, but like, this is something that will almost certainly add to your life. It, I've never, ever met anyone who's like, Oh, I, I walked and I feel worse now, mm-hmm. or, or my life is somehow worse having, having done some exercise outside. Right. It's, it's, and especially doing it outside is you know, mm-hmm. when you can, if weather, I, weather permitting optimal. and whatnot. Yeah. 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 That's, that leads me into sort of uh, another thing that I wanted to get your thoughts on is like the importance of one's physical environment, being surrounded by good people, good community and like in, in coworkers and, and clients and friends and family and whatnot, and, and also physical environment. So how is that? You've been in Florida for about a month now. How has that really changed for you? Um, that's a good point. I have been actually thinking about that because stress, like perceived stress from your environment is huge. And like, I feel the physical effects of it. Very, like, I feel like I'm really sensitive to it. So being able to one, be in my own space now where I was living with my parents for a while after I graduated because I had planned to move last year and that got derailed. And so I loved them and it was great, but it wasn't, you know, my space. 
And at 23, I'm just kind of like, I've already moved out once. Like I'm ready to be on my own again. Um, but also like, you know, growing up in a small town, I loved it to death. You know, I will probably someday go back, but it's, it's hard when, you know, you maybe don't feel approval or you don't feel 100% supported. You don't have those really solid relationships, you know, it, it does, it plays a big role in how you feel physically, just in your overall mental, I think more so mental, emotional well-being. Um, physical environment, I would say I feel amazing being here. Um, the sun, the beach, like it's my biggest stress reliever. I If I can even escape for like, you know, an hour to go to the pool, just lay there, read my book, do whatever, it it changes like the course of my day. I feel so good, I feel so refreshed. So that was a huge motivator for me in moving. Um, And I would say that find those things, like find those things that make you like love life, that light you up because those things are so important to make a priority, even if it feels silly. If you're like, yeah, oh, I'll go to the beach, you know, on vacation, but you could do that, you know, more often and make it a priority and improve the quality of your life drastically. That's beautiful. And this is something that I've definitely thought about a lot over these past six weeks is like, you know, maybe living by the beach is not not for everybody. They, they don't, they don't get lit up by that. And that's totally fine. You know, teach mm-hmm. their own. But if that is your thing or living in the mountains or, or living in a new city or something, if that's your thing, like you can, you can actually do that. Mm-hmm. Like you can, you can go and do that. And, and to, to bring this back. And I think that working on your fitness actually helps with this because mm-hmm. it's changing environments. It's doing something hard. It's hard to leave your hometown. And especially, you know, you come from a very small town, like where, you know, everybody and all these things, like it's hard to get out of that environment, mm-hmm. but everyone is able to, to get up and, and move if that environment is no longer serving you or change the things in your environment so that they do serve you, whatever that might be to, to anyone listening. And so I think it is, it's more important for our mental health, but it's also important for your physical health because it's all, it's all in and related. If, if you can't go outside for a walk because the place you live is like not walkable, whether that be weather related, whether that be, I I don't know, it's like somehow dangerous or like Mm -hmm. some other reason that like you can't go outside for a walk, then, then change that. If you really Mm -hmm. like walking, like, and it's within your power to do so. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And starting like anything with fitness, if you find that your environment is influencing you to do things in a less than optimal way that like isn't making you feel good or it's kind of standing in the way of reaching your goals do something about it you know speak up like stand your ground be your own advocate if you need to make a change make that change it's going to be so much better for you long term if you at least speak like say something do something try to make an effort versus sitting there and being like oh i can't hit my macros because my wife buys Oreos like, okay, well either, you know, do something about that issue that you can't control yourself or just, you know, have that conversation be like, Hey, I'm, you know, have this goal. Like, will you support me in this? You know, making those environmental like boundaries that are getting you into a better headspace, you know, helping you reach your goals physically, whatever it may be, you know, you have control over that. So focus on what you can control and, you know, don't, don't be a bystander to your own, to your own life. That's awesome. Do do you think that your fitness journey and like pursuing strength and all these things has given you the audacity to do something like this, to move? And, And I mean, if you weren't a coach, you maybe wouldn't have moved to Florida because of whatever circumstances, but 
do you think that that is like, would you have done something else if you, would you still be in Minnesota in that same environment? Had you never kind of like got yourself involved in fitness professionally and personally? That's a good question. Um, I definitely think that for sure starting my business was a big catalyst in changing how I did things. Like it was, you know, it's a lot of risk. It's like, I have absolutely no idea what I'm doing, but I'm just going to jump for it. Like, so yes, um, fitness in itself though. Yes. I think it made me a lot healthier person over the long haul. Obviously, like if you do things, you know, in an the quote unquote wrong way, you're not going to become the healthier version of yourself. But I do think that it just, it gave me a more of a just spice and love for life. And, you know, I wanted to experience that in other places. I think that that dream of moving and, you know, doing all these things, I think it was always there, but living this lifestyle that I am right now, I definitely think that it supported that goal and like helped me like, know that okay that's you know that's achievable like I can do hard things I can do whatever I set my mind to like I I just I had faith that it would be good because of that yeah I mean you hit the nail on the head there you can do hard things you know squatting 10 pounds might seem like an immense insurmountable challenge to someone right now Mm -hmm. but if you work on it maybe you can squat five pounds right now and Mm -hmm. then you know next week you can squat 10 pounds like oh that hard thing, I did it. Mm-hmm. Oh, then what can I do? 20 pounds? Oh, two weeks later, I did it. Mm-hmm. Oh, but could I could I get a promotion at my job? Oh my God, mm-hmm. I got that too. Yeah. Wow, look at all the hard things that I'm doing and like look how good my life is getting because of that, right? Yeah, I always, I, I've actually been saying this a lot lately because it just kind of seems to be the theme of my life. What's the worst that could happen? Like, oh, I, I fail again? Okay, then I learned a lesson and I get back up and I try again, I try something different. I literally told myself that when I moved, I was like, you know what, what's the worst that could happen? I hate it. And I come home. Like, honestly, that's, it's kind of an exciting way to live life. Obviously, like I'm not a huge risk taker, but I've become so much more open and like spontaneous about things. Cause I'm just like, okay, what is the literal worst thing that could happen? And if it's not like dangerous or life threatening, then why not try it? You never know what you're missing out on because you're scared. And like, I just, I don't want to live scared. Yeah. That's, that's very powerful. And I think anyone who missed that rewind, hit that 30 second rewind button and listen to that again, because nothing good ever happened from sitting on the couch at home. Mm -hmm. Nothing bad ever happened, but nothing good ever happened either. And if Mm -hmm. that's the life that you choose to live, then by all means do you, but I highly doubt that that is the life that you want to live. And, and, you know, once again, and for the millionth time and not for the last time, like I think the gym is the perfect place to to start to grow these feelings and, and these and these thoughts and emotions. And because it's a very controlled in, environment where the worst thing that could happen is literally like, I mean, I guess you could physically hurt yourself, but I mean, you know, that's not going to happen. But th- the worst thing that could happen is like really nothing. So it's a very safe environment, very controlled environment to grow and foster all of these things. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Take initiative and just, yeah. Do something that kind of scares you and you'll probably be surprised at the outcome and it's probably not going to be bad. I promise. Beautiful, Elsie. Well, I think we're going to wrap this up here. Thank you very much for your time. Um, Where can people find you and connect with you and learn more? Um, The best place right now is on Instagram at Elsie Seberg, E-L-S-I-E underscore Seberg, S-I-E-B-E-R-G. 
And um, I will be launching a podcast soon. So stay on the lookout for that. That will be also found on my Instagram. But yeah, thanks for having me. Awesome. Yeah, this was fun. I'll include those things in the show notes. I will shout out your podcast when when it does come out. Awesome. So we're holding you accountable to that. Yes. People will be listening in the or, and waiting. Yes. Um, is there anything else that you want to leave the people with here in closing? I think we're good. Awesome. All right, everybody. Thank you very much for listening. Thank you again to Elsie for her time and for sharing today. Um, share this podcast with a friend. If there's someone who you know that would get some value from this, that's the best way to help and grow this whole thing. Leave a rating and review on iTunes also goes a long way. While you're at it, give me a follow on Instagram as well at Daniel Yours. And that's it. Go do something with your life. Go move your body. Eat real food. Be a good person. Take it easy.